Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Dane marriage. And I understand we have mixed people, you know, we're a mixed audience here, but I spent about an hour and a half sweating, working. Woo! Y'all, y'all get your mind out the gutter. My wife's love language is acts of service. I'm talking about I was cleaning the bathroom. Y'all don't rest. See, I was ministering to my wife last night, sweating on my hands and knees, cleaning toilets, sinks. Yeah, see, some of y'all ladies understand that. They're like, ooh, yes, mm, minister. My wife, I wanted her to sit down and relax, and because I understand my wife's love language, it's not all about trying to just give her what I want to give her. It's about ministering to her needs. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go. I actually had to, I left the house. Now, this is how much I love my wife. I went to Walmart last night. And it was busy. It was busy. And I went and bought cleaning products. Came home. Came home. She was sitting there. I don't know what she was doing. I just went to the bathroom and started scrubbing. I had to just do it because I knew it would minister to her and put her in a place where she could be comfortable and relaxed. Because, you know, a woman's like, ain't nothing like having a clean house. Huh? Trying to help some of y'all married men out there. Roses are great, but I'll tell you what, you clean a bathroom or a kitchen, you're going to be in there like swimwear. We just keep it real and relevant here. Amen. Well, buenos dias a todos. <laughs> Le pido que tenga paciencia conmigo mientras estoy aprendiendo español. Me han preguntado cuántos miembros tienes que no hablan inglés. La respuesta es cero. Nada. Pero sé lo que Dios me dijo. Que la visión que me mostró. Quiero agradecer al hermano Carlo, hermana Margo, Sabrina, uh, Fred, Liz, or Fred y Liz. Ruben, Adriana, muchas gracias, Lydia, y mi maestra, Sara Ruiz. La visión se hará realidad. I know a lot of you guys are sitting here wondering what I'm saying, but I just had to say that to my Spanish-speaking family. God has given me a vision, and you know the vision that he's given me, and I want to just share something before I get into the word today, is that the vision is for an appointed time, though it may tarry, wait for it. There's some things you've been waiting for. Do not get in a rush to make the vision come to pass, because chances are you ain't ready. If God said it, 
it's going to be so. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, it shall be done. He will watch after his word to perform it. You just got to be ready for it. And he's making sure that you're ready for the promise that he's about to give to you. Come on, saints. I know what it's like. I'm struggling. And even this morning, and, and um, uh, me and Adriana, you know, I, I send her my notes because she translates for me. And, and this is the crazy part about it. We don't have anybody right now listening to the translation. But yet, still, we translate faithfully every week because I know what God showed me. And I believe it may not, I may not see it now, but as I keep walking, the miracle's happening. That God is sending people to the building Christian fellowship that don't speak our language, but they love the same God that we love. And they need to be ministered to in an environment where there's many different colors, many different faces, many different nationalities and ethnicities, many different cultures, and feel comfortable coming in and not saying, I got to be like you, but we can just worship the same God. We got to get out of this thing of everybody saying, you got to be like me. No, you know what? God fearfully and wonderfully made you the person that you are, and he created you. He doesn't make mistakes. So guess what? We could worship God whether you are wearing a suit or whether you're wearing semi-skinny jeans. <laughs> They're fitted, okay? They're fitted. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Praise God. So I wanted to share that. That's been on my heart. So you guys know we're, all, we're already, we've been on this, this uh, journey of discipleship. And the funny part about it is this is what we all should be learning anyway. The church has gotten so far from it. We've been talking about it. And as uh, our, our brother Charles got up so eloquently and said earlier, where is Charles? Charles? Sir? Come on, man. Both of y'all. There's a call on your life. Obviously. Obviously. There's anointing on your life, man. You and your whole family. Praise God. And, and there's a ministry that's being birthed in you guys and out of you guys. But, you know, when people get attached to God's vision, I need you to understand. I, you know, people, the pastor's the visionary, and I understand all that. But it's not my vision. It's God's vision. And it's God's vision for his church. And as all, we all take ownership of the vision, then guess what? Things begin to happen, and God will be, get glorified, and we'll be able to win this city over for Christ. That's what it's about. It's not about building a large church. It's not about building, oh, we got this nice building. It's nice to have a large facility, but if you're just having church in a large facility and people are out there dying, it doesn't mean anything to have a nice facility. It doesn't mean nothing. Amen. So we are on this road to discipleship. And listen, you guys, being a disciple always leads to making disciples. Ser un discipulo siempre. Lleva a hacer discipulos. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Segume y te haré pescadores de hombres. We have to be fishers of men. Not stealer of people from other churches. Wouldn't it be nice to empower people at other churches to get the idea of discipleship to go build that church? I'm sorry, I can't do this. We can't, the building can't do this by ourselves. 
We're not large enough to hold. How many people in too soon? 30,000? I ain't trying to have a 30,000-member church. I, I, I get headaches just with what we got now. I just, threw, I just threw that in there. But the key word to discipleship, saints, is this. Denying yourself. Negarte a ti mismo. We live in a culture today that's all about self. Vivimos en una cultura que se trata de uno mismo. It's about protecting yourself, promoting yourself, preserving yourself, pampering yourself, um, confronting, well, not confronting yourself, but basically comforting yourself. Yes, uh, entertaining yourself and taking care of yourself. But the last time I read the Bible, it said, crucify yourself. Huh? We're so busy trying to take care of ourselves that we forgot that the Bible was specific about crucifying our own flesh. He didn't say that somebody else was going to do it. He said you had to do it yourself. Crucificate. Discipleship isn't about comfort and concern for yourself. It's about the concern and growth of others. So as a disciple, it's not about me. It's about the people to the left and to the right of me. Even if it makes me uncomfortable to make them in a place to where they can grow. Ooh, I wish you guys just heard me with that. Because we're looking to serve from a place where it's convenient. Oh, no, not that day. Oh, I can't make that day. Oh, no, I can't serve in that ministry. Oh, oh no, no, I ain't going to come help the guys. You know, I don't do that kind of work. See, I, just to give a shout out to all the men that showed up yesterday. You guys don't know what you did for your pastor. I mean, I just, like, I was floating on air in the house like this after Tony sent me the pictures. You guys got it done. You guys stayed till it got done. But I bet you don't realize how much you minister to each other. Not, not, I mean, let alone minister to your pastor. But you guys yourselves were able to get together and, and get the job done. But as you guys were working, you were fellowshipping. You were encouraging each other. You don't know where some of those guys were at at that moment. You don't know what kind of troubles or problems they had at home. But when they got around the brethren, you know, some of you guys, some of you guys in here don't know how to do nothing. I promise you. I wouldn't even put a hammer in your hand. I'm telling you right now. I wouldn't put a hammer in your hand. But, you know, you guys are like, look, this is, I don't do this kind of stuff. I, I can do accounting. I can do this. But guess what, Pastor? I'm going to show up, and I'm going to push a broom. I'm going to show up, and I, I can pick up something. I can carry stuff out to the trash. See, that's denying yourself. To get the job done, but not only get the job done, but also to minister to those that are around you. I believe in uh, Philippians chapter 2 and 3, and I'm going to read the Passion Translation. I, I like the way it says this. It says, be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first. And view others as more important than yourselves. I know we want to get deep with this, but it's simple. Your brother is more important than you. Your sister is more important than you, than what you want, than what you feel is comfortable. That's basically how we are going to disciple one another. Is when we start seeing our brothers and our sisters 
more important than we are, then nobody's going to go without anything. That's what I found out in marriage. See, the point in marriage, everybody talks about, I give 50, she gives 50, and it's 100%. No, I give 100, she gives 100. I don't care about my comfort. She doesn't care about her comfort. We're so busy trying to make sure each other is taken care of, we never go without. That's what it's like in the church of God. We need to take care of one another. When somebody goes without, we need to say, look, I know I was saving for this, but I know there's a brother or sister over here that needs help. Let me go help them. And while you're helping them, somebody else says, oh, man, so-and-so helped them, but I knew they were saving to get this. Well, let me help them out. And it's a circle. It's a circle. A continued giving. It's infinite. And that's what marriage is all about. Why we have the ring is because we constantly give to one another and nobody goes without. But there's a cost. Somebody say count the cost. Mmm. Yeah. Uh, considera el precio. 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 Gracias. You got to count the cost. You got to consider the price. Everybody says they want something, but they don't know what it costs to get it. You know, people want cars, they want houses, they want a certain lifestyle, they want this, but they've never considered the cost. In Luke chapter 14, 25 through 33, Jesus gave a parable about counting the cost before you start down this road of discipleship. Jesus used five examples of counting the cost. First, he gave us all two allegories. Verse 26 He said, whoever comes to me and does not hate their mother and father. Wait a minute, Jesus, I thought we ain't supposed to hate anybody. We're supposed to love everybody. Isn't love the opposite of hate? But he says, you got to hate your mother and father. What did Jesus mean by that? He said, if you put anything or anybody before me, you cannot be my disciple. Even if you put yourself above me, you cannot be my disciple. Then in verse 27, he says, if you do not bear your cross, it's hard to deny yourself. Can I get an amen? amen. There's things I want. There's things I want to do. Can, can I just be honest? Can I just, can I just share a few things? Um, we don't make a lot of money as pastors, and some of you guys don't make a lot of money to what you do is, but it, it is a cross and a burden to bear, and I'm just going to be honest with you when it comes down to giving. I didn't get no amens. We're a very giving church. But at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but when God requires of me 10% off the top, I have to be honest, as a pastor sometimes, because some months the PG&E bill comes in a little high, you know what I'm saying? It's like we, we had the heat on a little bit too long, and, and, and then right off top, you like you give it, but then you're like, ooh, I could have used that money. Well, maybe this time I'll just give a little, and next time... We got to bear that cross. And I'm just saying something lightly. There comes a time that your brother or your sister may offend you. But what do you do? Get offended back? No, you bear that cross. You look at them higher than yourself. Come on, guys. Nobody likes to talk about crucifixion. Nobody likes to talk about crucifying yourself. We all want to talk about Jesus' crucifixion and the benefit we got from it. But nobody wants to sit down and bear their own cross. But Jesus said, if you don't bear your own cross... You cannot be my disciple. And you realize something. Bearing your own cross is not for you. 
A lot of us think that, oh, I'm bearing my cross. This is for me. Bearing your cross is for others. So in other words, when you're when you sacrificing your time because you could be somewhere else, when when you worked hard all week and then Saturday morning, early morning, they want you here working when you should be at home resting. And you go, you know what? For the sake of the church, for the future of people in Susun, I'm going to give up my time so that I can go and work on the house of God. Give up my rest. I will bear my cross. It's not for me, but it's for others. Jesus Christ carried a cross, not for himself, but he carried his cross for us. Then he used two analogies. First he used two allegories, and then he used two analogies. And for the first one, he talked about building a tower. In verse 28 through 30, he basically what he was saying is, uh, what he was trying to get to you is not finish what you started. Not finishing what you started. Let me tell you guys something. When you say yes to something, that's the start of something. If you say yes to the work and never show up to the work, you started when you said yes. That's why the, the Bible says, let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. I would rather have you tell me no and not show than say yes and not show. Because then I can't count on you. Come on, you guys. Jesus talked about that. He said, if you start on something and don't finish it, people are going to talk about you. They're going to mock you. No wonder the church is so weak nowadays. Because there's too many people that aren't disciples that say a lot of yeses. They talk a good game. But guess what? We're not finishers of the work of God. How many people do you know have got saved in a time of trouble? And after they're out of trouble, they're, I mean, during the church, they're talking about, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And God, you should come to church and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And then guess what? Then all of a sudden, a few months later, they back out there doing what they're doing. We're mocking them. Even us in the house of God. But the world looks at it and they're like, man, the church isn't anything. So now, now we complain about why they want to take the Bible out of schools. Because the people that are talking about the Bible ain't even living it. So why do I want that in the school? See, it's our fault as a church because we haven't been disciples that the world is rejecting us. If we as a church would do what the word of God says, if we are doers of the word, not hearers of the word, we will be a good example to those that don't believe in Christ. The second analogy he did was going to war, verse 31 through 32. He said, think about this task that you're taking on. This is what he meant about it. You need to think about what you're getting ready to get into. Now, I don't know about you, but there, this is before I was saved. I like to fight. I liked a good challenge. Loved a good challenge. And I remember one time I was at this bar, and I seen this dude, huge guy, big. And I was like, I'm going to fight him. <laughs> I'm literally, he was like 6'6". Six, six. This guy was big, looked like a football player. And I walked up to him, I said, hey, man, let's fight. He looked down at me. <laughs> he looked down at me and he giggled. <laughs> I said, no, serious, man. Let's go outside. Let's do this, me and you. And he made this comment. He said, little man, I don't think you thought about what you're about to get into. And reality hit me at that point. I didn't have to get knocked out. Because all of a sudden, I was like, because I, I, I'm close to him now, and I'm looking, I'm staring at him like right around in his rib cage. You know? 
But how foolish would I have looked to pick a fight? It wouldn't just be lose, it would be humiliating. You guys watch those videos of people laying out on the, on the concrete just... <laughs> Jesus was saying, why would you sit down and go to war without considering who you're going up against? You better sit down and think whether you first better go forward because, you look, I only got 10,000, they got 20,000. So you better think, maybe I should send somebody ahead before I get there. Maybe I should have sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so go talk to this person before I go sit down and talk to him. Because guess what happens? You go to war with that person without thinking about it, you're going to be laid out on the concrete. You're going to be on Facebook. (laughs) And last, listen, this is important. The last thing he gives us, Number five, he gave us a warning that sums up the cost of discipleship. Verse 33 said this, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Did did he say all? Hmm. So that means all. The Greek word is all. The Hebrew word is all. I'm getting deep here. It doesn't matter. All is all. You ever go to the store and it's empty? Shelf's empty? And you're like, I bet you they got some in the back. (laughs) So you go find somebody and go, hey, um, I'm looking for this item here. I notice there's none on the shelves. Is there any in the back? Sometimes people go, well, it ain't on the shelf. Doesn't it get you mad? At least go look. I'm preaching. You guys didn't even catch it. Go look. Go search. Go deep in the back and find. And just, I need you to search in the hidden parts of, of the warehouse to see if there's any more left. See, what happens, saints of God, is there's sometimes we think our shelves are empty when it comes to giving God everything. But what God says is you need to go back in your warehouse and search to see if you've given me everything. Because chances are you got a stash sitting somewhere else. You got a reserve just in case. You got a plan B. There is no plan B's when it comes to God and discipleship. God says, I want all. What does it mean to give all? I heard people even ask me that. And the funny question about that is, we know what all is. When we ask, what is it, you know, what does it mean all? Which basically, what you're looking for is a way out of all. You know what all is. If somebody put a gun in your face and said, give me everything in your pockets, you know what it means. You're turning your pockets inside out. They're going to look like rabbit ears. So they know that you have nothing left. So Paul said, I mean, David's like, I'm a drink offering poured out for the Lord. Jesus let his followers know up front. That's what I love about Jesus. There's no hidden agendas. He was just up front about everything. He said, I'm going to let you know what the cost of becoming a disciple is before you even start down this road. Matthew chapter 10, 16 through 23. I'm going to read from the message. It says, stay alert. This is hazardous work I'm assigning you. You are going to be like sheep running through a, a wolf pack. That's crazy. How many people would say, oh, yeah, hey, I'm down with that. 
I'm sending you out among the wolves. You are sheep among the wolves. So don't call attention to yourselves. (laughs) There's so much in this scripture. Don't call attention to yourselves. Be cunning as a snake and inoffensive. I could preach right there, just three weeks. Inoffensive as a dove. Don't be naive. Some people will impugn your motives. Others will smear your reputation just because you believe in me. Don't be upset when they haul you before civil authorities without knowing it. They have done you and me a favor, given you a platform for preaching the kingdom news. And don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. The right words will be there. The spirit of your father will supply the words. When people realize it is the living God you are representing and not some idol or yourselves that makes them feel good, they're going to turn on you, even people in your own family. There is a great irony here. Proclaiming so much love, experience so much hate, but don't quit. Don't cave in. It is all well worth it in the end. It is not success you are after in such times, but survival. Be survivors. Before you've run out of options, the Son of Man will have arrived. That was good, man. That was good right there. I don't even need preaching. That's just the word by itself. Look, being a Christian ain't going to cause you to have friends. It's going to make sure you have enemies. I need you to understand that now. Just because you're Mr. Nice Guy and full of love, they're going to hate you because of it. I have sat down with people, and they have told me about how their family members have turned on them because of Christ's sake. And what happens is what you don't realize is a lot of times they'll disguise it as the church or for other people. And they'll deceive you because you're thinking, well, I'm doing this for other people and not for Christ. No, you're doing it for Christ because whether you realize it or not, we are the body of Christ. And people think you're doing it for other people. No, I'm doing it for this church, and the church is the body of Jesus Christ. People are going to hate you. They're going to talk about you. Don't get upset when you're at work and people are talking about, well, you know, you're praying at work. Look, I wasn't pushing this on anybody. They asked me to pray for them. You want me to satisfy the customers, don't you? Listen, saints, not all of us will be called to give up our careers. Not all of us will be called to give up our possessions. Not all of us will uh, have to lose our lives for the gospel. But there's one thing that is clear for all who follow Jesus. Comfort and certainty is no longer a part of our lives. For you to be certain about what the outcome is, forget it. You got to go in this thing by faith. I can't be certain about nothing but one thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether I live today or die today, it doesn't matter. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. That's the only thing that I'm certain of, and that's the only thing I should preach. Hallelujah. Our careers, our possessions, and our lives should be used as a platform to share the gospel to influence the people around us. We have to be fishers of men to let our light so shine before men that they will see our good works that glorify our Father in heaven. Not our works, not my works that glorify me, 
but the works that I do should glorify my Father. They shouldn't just look at me. And if they keep looking at me, I should be a, a, a sign pointing unto Jesus. It's not me. It's, it's not me. I know the, the owners the, that were coming through uh, the, the building the other day, I was in there and I was doing some painting, and the owner of the building came through, and he's walking around, and he looks at me, and he says, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think you guys would even get this far. I wasn't insulted at all because my prayer was, God, I want them to see the witness of your spirit flowing through this church. And I tried to make it happen and failed. And that's when God spoke to me. He says, I don't need you to make me look good. Just step back and do the work that I told you to do and let my glory shine. If you guys notice right now, you look at the lights, you don't hear the light saying nothing. It just shines. Let your light so shine before men. I don't need to talk about it. They're going to see it. And then when they ask, I'm prepared to give an answer for the faith and the hope that I believe in. So, so I'm sitting there and I'm painting. He said, I didn't think y'all was going to do this. He goes, John, I'm impressed at what you're doing. I said, I, I, I ain't taking no glory for this. First of all, it's a team effort because we're doing this for our God. You know, he kind of shrugged it off. But I understand, and this is my goal, why, why we're doing this is, what if we win the owner's hearts over to Christ? We wouldn't have to buy the building. I'm just saying. At the end of the day, that's the whole point. God has placed us in a position that we're having favor with the government here in Susun City, but he's also going to give us favor with the developers in Susun City. What's happening right now? Man, it's such good stuff. I got to stay on point. Let me stay on point. The truth to our life is, saints, if you're not bringing people closer to Jesus Christ, you're pulling them further away from Jesus Christ. One or the other. Either you're bringing them closer or you're pushing them further. We are called to introduce people to Christ and then grow the relationship with Christ. It's kind of like introducing your best friend to your other friend, you know, so you, you, you introduce this guy to this girl, and then they get married. You know, when a person gets married, the people standing next to them are people that are supposed to help with their marriage, not just be there for the wedding day. You guys catch this? It's the, you know, you, you know if you read about the, 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 the virgins, the ten virgins, the bridesmaids that had the oils and lamps, and there were five foolish and five wise. Well, the key thing to that was those five that were, were wise hung out with the bride and were there with the bride to help keep her safe, to make sure that she lived the right life of a married woman. See, we don't look at those type of things. We just see the scripture and don't go deep into it. But when you get married in America, you have people stand next to you that aren't just there for that day. They're supposed to be there for your life to help encourage you, not just to introduce you to the guy you're about to marry, but once you get introduced to him to help you with a healthy relationship and to continue to grow that relationship, they're there. They're friends that when you have problems, you go to them and you talk to them about it and they encourage you in your marriage, not for you to go out of the marriage. Come on, you got, well, you know, he just not. No, nah, girl, look, you gotta work this through. Nah, man, come on, man. Let's hang this out. Matter of fact, you know what? Let's go get counseling, man. I'll go with you. Let's do this. What are you suffering from? That, this is what it's all about. This is what a marriage is all about. And it's the same thing in church. When we get married to Christ, when we find a friend and we introduce him to the Lord, we are to stay with him throughout that whole relationship 
to continue to help them grow and build the relationship that they have. It's called discipleship. But it's a cost to it, saints. There's a cost. I can't be concerned with myself and help somebody else in their marriage. I think about Carlos and Margo. They, they're, they're our directors and they're head of, of the marriage ministry, and, and they've been married over 30 years. You don't think that they still have issues? But they still minister to people in their marriages. They still reach out to folks, even if they're having issues, because they deny themselves to make sure that somebody else's marriage is together. But this is the thing we don't realize that, is that God gives seed to the sower. As they're, if they may be having their issues, 30, 30 years of issues maybe, I don't know, I'm, I ain't reset Mark yet, we, not yet. But as they're ministering to people, God is pouring more grace into them for what they need as they're giving it out. So many of us are stingy with what God has given us. Do you realize if you just freely give it out, God's going to freely give it to you? He's going to make sure you got a lot of it to give to a lot of people. If you need more grace, give more grace. As I close, saints of God, we need to start showing fruits of the Spirit and stop making excuses for the fruit flies. (laughs) Fruit flies. Fruit flies don't show up when the fruit is ripe. They show up when the fruit appears. See, the fruit isn't always ripe. So once you start bearing fruit, fruit flies come around. That fruit flies is your flesh. And unless we kill the few uh, flies on the vine, a few fruit flies will become a pestilence. There'll be so many flies, you ain't going to be able to do it. You'll be so full of flesh. You'll be so selfish. Stop making excuses for not giving all. That's the big problem. We don't, don't want to pay the cost. You go to a store and there's something that you really want. And you find out how much the cost is, you're like, nah, I ain't spending that much. But if it's something you really, really want, you're going to pay that cost for it. Am I right? There's some stuff that you bought that you, sh- you know you shouldn't have bought, but you wanted it. You couldn't even afford it. Huh? You couldn't afford that. But you did what you had to do to pay the cost to get what you wanted. If you really want discipleship, you're going to pay the cost. You're going to give it all. If you really want to be a disciple, if you really want to please the Lord, you'll pay the cost. Saints of God, it's a walk of faith. And faith isn't forgetting the things you want. Faith is for fulfilling the work of the Lord. Just hurt you, didn't I? Just believe God for that thing, brother. Believe God will get you that house. Believe God will get you that job. That plays a part. I'm not saying it doesn't. But God gave us the gift of faith to complete his work. It's not about your comfort because some of the things that you want is because of your comfort. Search it. Search it. Search that thing that you want. Search it. That wife, that husband, that relationship, that car. That house, that job is all about you. (laughs) We can no longer wait to be at a certain level of faith in Christ before we start discipling others. 
I shared this analogy, and it was the best analogy God has ever given me in my life. I was in the military. We were at Fort Campbell. We were on FTX. We were out in the field. And I remember we came to this hill. It was huge grade. Steep, if you guys don't want to grade it. A lot of trees. And they said, we got to go to the top of the hill. Everybody, the whole platoon had to go to the top of the hill. Actually, it was the whole company. And they said, go. And I remember the guys standing back and watching. And some of the younger guys just took off. They got to the top. They reached their goal. Didn't turn around and help nobody. Then there were some guys that got up to the top, and they turned around. They'd be up at the top looking down at everybody else trying to tell them, look, don't go that way. Come this way. This is the way I came. You should come the way I came. Don't go that way. That's wrong. Go the way I came. And then God began to show me. I was like, okay. And I saw some people, what they do is they walk up a few steps and they grab a tree and they anchor themselves and they turn around, go, come on. They grab somebody else. They'd help them up. Sometimes they'd help them up to where they're at, but most of the time they'd help them up further than where they were at. You guys get that? See, sometimes in discipleship, there's people, some of you guys will run and you'll get all the revelation of Jesus. You have everything and God is blessing you. You are anointed. You're, you're flowing in the gifts and you ain't turned around and helped nobody. You're that guy that made it to the top and went about your own business because I'm up here now. Then you got the people that stand up at the top. They've made it too. They got all the gifts. They're doing everything. They're flowing. They got a great relationship with the Lord. Now they're trying to turn around and tell you how you're supposed to serve Christ. No, don't go that way. Don't do it that way. Come the way that I came. That's the only right way. I want to show you guys something. I got to use you guys. Come here, come here Kaya. Rachel. Come on, I'm going to use all you guys. Here's the thing. When I get here, grab her hand. Grab her hand. Grab his hand. As I go up, I'm supposed to be helping somebody else up. The problem is, sometimes we let go of somebody's hand, and then everybody else behind them may end up falling. But we're supposed to hold on to each other's hand. And it says in Ephesians, it said that we are a body fitly joined together where each member supplieth to the other. So now I'm supplying what they have. This is the body of Christ. We are united, fitly joined together. We can't let go of each other's hand. We got to help and continue to pull those up as they pull each other up and continue to go so that we will all make it so that we could basically say, look, I've ran my race. I've finished my course. We can't quit, saints of God. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. This is what discipleship looks like. Saints of God, you can't be unwilling to allow people to help you either. That's a whole nother message. I can do it myself. I can get up. I don't need nobody to help me. Pride. Will keep you at the bottom of the hill. You try to go up by yourself. You grab a tree that somebody else grabbed. Why did that tree just unroot? 20 other people grabbed it and helped you up. But when you grab it, it comes to nothing. You know what it is? God trying to show you. This ain't about you. It's about the body of Christ. As I close, saints of God, I'll just share this with you. I just want to share this with you. We often worry about the people we disciple 
becoming better than we are. Can I just bring that out there? How come we can't relate some natural things to spiritual things? In my life, my father wanted me to be a better man than he was. That was natural. And then I turn around with my children. I want them to be a better father, a better man, a better husband than I am. So why not in the gospel? Can we not want those who we have poured into to become better than we are? I'm trying to make better leaders, better followers, better soldiers of Christ. Because at the end, God gives us a promise. You know what he said? That the servant will never be greater than the master. The student will never be greater than the teacher. Teachers, I want to help you guys something. You know what you get to do? When those person, those people are excelling, you get to sit back and go, God, I give you praise and honor that you allowed me to pour into that person. To be such part of greatness. That's why Jesus said, listen, the work that I do, greater shall you do. Jesus didn't go, look, I'm going to put a cap on what you go, the miracles you'll be doing because I don't want the attention to be drawn to you. Okay? I'm going to hold you back for a little bit. Jesus didn't say that. He says, no. Greater works shall you do. That's what discipleship's about. But there's a cost. And God is calling you not to give some, but to give all. Amen. You guys give God a praise. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, the funny part about this, when I was trying to come up with the title for the message, because that's just part of it, you know, you got to have a title, right? I had to ask my son, I said, didn't I preach something else, the cost of discipleship? He goes, I don't know. It sounds familiar. I said, I don't know. Well, make it cost of discipleship part two. I don't know. But there's a cost to everything, saints. Jesus gave us his all. Let me tell you how he gave his all. I, I need you to get this mental picture. He didn't just, you know, they, they, they hung him on the cross. And basically while he's on the cross, he bled out. One drop of his blood. Mm, one drop of his blood would have been enough. But he gave all his blood. He was empty. His body was broken for us. Blood was shed for us. They pierced him in his side. And there was nothing that came out but water. The blood was gone. He was empty. If you look at the, 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 the tradition, the Hebrew tradition of sacrifice, before they could do anything with the sacrifice, they had to drain it of all of its blood, symbolizing giving all. And if Christ has done it for us, we should do the same. We are Christians, followers of Christ. God is calling all of us, not just the pastor, not just the, the, the uh, elders and not the leaders. He said all of us should give him all. If you're struggling in areas in your life, maybe because you're not giving him your all, present your body. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
See, when you give God your body, guess what comes with your body? Guess what comes with you? All your problems, all your issues, all everything that you have. Issues that need to, they come with you. Stop trying to give them your mess. Lay your life down at the altar of God. Pour your life out before him. All your troubles will come. That's why he said, bring all your cares. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. We think our cares are the issues we have. No, we care about ourselves. All the problems is because I want to be better. Your care is you. Cast your care upon the altar, the Lord. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.